Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week we're joined by our Naperville Locations Adult Ministry Director, Sherry Benke, for a special bonus episode in our series, Profiles and Courage. This week we're talking about the story of Gideon. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. Do any of you recognize the young man in this picture? It's now been 16 years since Jason McElwain, or J-Mac as his friends call him, took the sports world by storm. If you don't remember this story, J-Mac was the team manager of a varsity basketball team in upstate New York. For four years, he sat at the end of the bench in a white shirt and black tie, handing out towels and water. J-Mac had been diagnosed with autism when he was just a toddler, but he never viewed himself as different than anyone else. The team was getting ready for its last home game of his senior season, and the coach decided, you know what? J-Mac has been so great with the team, we're going to let him suit up. Maybe we'll even get him in the game. So J-Mac suits up, and all his classmates hear about it, and they pack the student section of the gym, holding signs and cutouts of his face, hoping to cheer him on should he get in the game. With his team up by double digits, with just four minutes to play, the coach looks down the bench at J-Mac and says, get in the game. The students in the stands go crazy. The place just erupts with cheers. And what happens next was nothing short of magical. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make it? I just airballed it. (laughs) I'd like to steer God, please. Let's just get in the basket. His second shot missed too, but the third was a chunk. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I would have lived it. He caught fire. He just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers. One right after the other. He had 20 points total. And each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different, but never this different. Never this wonderful. There's greatness waiting in every kid. We just have to call their number. We all love stories like this, don't we? This kid goes from handing out towels one minute to winning the ESPY award for the best moment in sports. We all love stories like this, stories of the underdog beating all the odds to accomplish something amazing. We are in a series, Profiles in Courage, and we are looking at stories that motivate, inspire, and encourage us to be all that God wants us to be. And today we're going to look at a story in another of another underdog, someone who was like the unlikeliest of heroes. It was about a guy who wasn't really anybody special, a guy by the name of Gideon. Now you might be thinking, hold it, he's somebody I've heard of. Gideon, he's the guy who puts Bibles in hotels. Not that Gideon. Gideon and his people, the Israelites, were facing some tremendous challenges. An enemy nation called the Midianites had defeated and ruled over them for seven years. The Midianites were cruel. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, they would attack and destroy them. They took their sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. 
Things were so heinous and evil that Gideon's people were hiding in caves in the mountains and afraid and barely surviving. They needed a hero. So the Israelites cry out, God, help us. God, send somebody. In much the same way, our world needs some of you to step up and be a hero. There are situations right now where we need heroic friendships, people who will be loyal and truthful no matter what. We need heroic students who do the right thing at any age. We need heroic parents who make necessary sacrifices. We need heroic teachers and coaches in our schools, and we need heroic business leaders and community leaders. So God looks for a person to rescue the Israelites. And as God so often does, he chooses the most unlikely person. This is where we pick up Gideon's story. We're going to look at four experiences that Gideon had in his life. As we discuss these four experiences, ask yourself, what turned this man from cowardice to courage? What can I learn from his story? How can his story help me be courageous in my story? This first experience is the potential. When we pick up Gideon's story, he is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, this may not seem like anything to us today, but a wine press was just a hole dug in the ground. And Gideon is threshing wheat, separating the grain from the chaff underground in a hole. And that's unusual because normally you would want to thresh the wheat where the wind was blowing away. But Gideon's people are afraid. Gideon's family is afraid. Gideon is afraid. He's, he's threshing wheat in a wine press and hiding from the Midianites. He's surrounded by enemies. On the outside are the Midianites, and on the inside is fear, self-doubt, and massive insecurity. He's hiding out in a wine press when he has his first experience. God sends an angel to him and says, "'The Lord is with you, mighty warrior.'" This is my very favorite moment of this story. This guy is scared to death, afraid of his own shadow, hiding in a hole, and an angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. As Gideon looks up from the hole in the ground, he probably thinks the angel is making fun of him, but God's not making fun of him. Though I do think God might have a thought it was kind of funny. But I think God starts the encounter off this way for a reason. You see, God sees potential in people, usually way before they see it in themselves. As the angel says, you are a mighty warrior. God is offering Gideon a new vision for his life, a new way of understanding himself. Of course, in this moment, Gideon is anything but a mighty warrior. He's definitely no courageous leader. Gideon's response is what we might expect, how we might react if we were in his shoes. He starts listing his inadequacies. How can I save Israel? Gideon asks. My clan is the weakest in Manesh, and, and I'm the least in my family. Do you get what he's saying? He's saying, you've got the wrong guy, God. Gideon was born in a town called Ophrah. Ophrah is, in Hebrew, it means the place of dustiness. Gideon is saying, where I'm from is no launching pad for important people. You've got the wrong guy from the wrong town. We're nobody special. And on top of that, you got the wrong one for my family. I'm the youngest. I'm, I'm the runt of the litter, God. But God says, nonsense. You are a mighty warrior. Listen to me on this. 
The reason many of you can't see God's courageous, heroic plan for your life is simply because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. Quick, important reminder here. God brought you into existence on purpose. You are created on purpose for a purpose. Your existence on this planet is on purpose, and it's with a purpose. God birthed you. He birthed you with a dream. God sees it, and He wants you to see it too. But our reflex is often like Gideon's. Who, me? But God sees the potential in you, just like He saw it in Gideon. You are a mighty warrior, Gideon, God declares. That's the first experience, the potential. Here's the second God says to Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Gideon still isn't sure about this whole thing, so he asks God for a sign. He leaves and prepares an offering for the Lord, some meat and bread. When he returns, God tells him to place it on rock. Then the angel of the Lord reaches out and touches the meat and bread with the tip of the staff and it spontaneously combusts. Fire comes out from the rock, consumes the sacrifice. Gideon's eyes were as big as saucers. When Gideon sees this happen, he knows without a doubt that he's just had a small glimpse of the power of God. Here's how Gideon responds. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. By piling up some stones, making an altar, Gideon is saying, I don't ever want to forget this. So I'm going to build this altar so that every time I pass by here, I'll remember that I encountered God and his power personally in this place. He names the altar Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. From the very first time since his people were invaded, Gideon feels peace, peace of mind, peace within himself. Though the circumstances around him are still falling apart, he has this internal peace. That's the result of knowing the power of God is with you. Listen, I know some of us are facing circumstances right now and things are falling apart at home, at work, in our neighborhood, and it's going to require a heroic effort. Let me ask you, are you still trying to fight this battle all on your own power. There is an important lesson here for all of us. In order to fight external battles, we need a power greater than ourselves to give us an internal peace. Not the absence of fear, but this deep down knowledge that God is with me. So we feel the fear and we move forward with God's power because we have peace. What happens next, you don't really see coming because it's a test. The background behind the test is that part of the reason the Israelites were facing these challenges they were facing was because they had turned from God and were worshiping false gods. Actually, they were trying to have it both ways. They were trying to worship the true God and the idols at the same time. So God says to Gideon, Gideon, I have a task for you to do. Before you do anything else, I want you to go and tear down the idol that your dad built the false God that's in your village. This was a test, both spiritually and relationally. First, it was a spiritual test. God is reiterating his first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. God is saying to Gideon, I want your complete allegiance. I want your total loyalty. I want to be the one and only in your life. 
It was a spiritual test. It was also a relational test. Notice whose altar it was. It was his dad's. Gideon is probably thinking, I come from a whole family that has always been lukewarm towards God. When it comes to God and church, we have always kind of been half in, half out. And this is a relational test. Gideon isn't quite a mighty warrior yet. In fact, we're told he is afraid of what his family would think. So he says yes, and he goes to tear the altar down, but but he does it at night. But still, he tears it down. He passes the test. God takes that little bit of faith and he begins to use him. I think God knew that Gideon couldn't go out and take on the world because there was still some stuff at home he needed to deal with. And that's why he had this test. Let me ask you, what is it in your life? What is, what is it in your personal life, your family life, your, your business life that you need to deal with before God can use you in a big way? Whatever it is, expect God to test you, to challenge you to preliminary obedience and loyalty. What God is asking you to do may not make sense to the people closest to you. It, it might even make them mad. But you know that when God tests you, He's getting you ready for a life of a hero, a mighty warrior. Which brings us to Gideon's fourth experience. It begins with this statement. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Literally, in the original language, it translates this way. The Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. I like that. It's like God is saying, Gideon, I'm the deepest thing in you now. I'm inside driving you in a positive way, empowering you, giving you courage. And there's this transformation happening in our mighty warrior. When you read the rest of Judges 6 and 7, you see it. Gideon goes out, blows a certain trumpet and says, everybody rally around who wants to follow the Lord into battle. Do you see the transformation? This is the same guy who was hiding in a hole in the ground. And Gideon goes from chicken heart to brave heart. He challenges his countrymen. 32,000 people respond to Gideon's call to battle and say, I will follow you. Now, 32,000 sounds like a lot, but the Midianites had 135,000. Gideon and his army were outnumbered almost five to one. So the odds aren't very good. And then God kind of ups the ante. He says, Gideon, that's too many men. Gideon had to be like, what? But God explains, that's too many because I don't want the people to take credit for it. This is going to be a miracle, a God thing. So Gideon gets up and says, appreciate you guys being here, but everybody who's still afraid, you can go home. And 22,000 guys take off. Now Gideon has just 10,000 to face 135,000. But God says, that's still too many. He tells Gideon to take them down to the river. God said, those who get down and lay on their stomachs to get a drink, drinking straight from the water, send them home. Those who cup the water with their hands and drink from their hands, those are the ones to take into battle. So Gideon takes them down to the river, puts them through the test, and you know what happens? 9,700 men lay down on the ground to drink right out of the water. Only 300 cupped the water with their hands. Gideon is left with just 300 men to fight against 135,000. That's odds of about 450 to 1. And God says... That's just about right. 
God promises with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. In the middle of the night, Gideon rallies the 300 men and arms them with three things, a trumpet, an empty clay pot, and a torch. A trumpet, a clay pot, and a torch. If you were the 300, you had to be thinking, dude, what were you like at a garage sale or something? God not only uses unlikely people, he also uses unlikely strategies. Gideon takes his special forces of 300 men and divides them into three groups surrounding the Midianite camp. On Gideon's signal, one, two, three, now, every mighty warrior breaks their clay pot, blows the trumpet, and flashes their torch. And the Midianites freak out. They come out of their tents half asleep. They're all confused, jumping around in their pajamas, and they end up turning and fighting each other. Just 300 men were able to courageously defeat an army of 135,000. It was a tremendous victory. And that story has been told for thousands of years about Gideon, the mighty warrior. Now, I love the story of Gideon. And the reason that I love this story is because it's not just a story for people long ago in the land of Israel. It's a story for today. You see, I believe every one of us is on the verge of a Gideon experience. Some of us are on the verge of the first experience. You might be hiding in a hole, the proverbial wine press, but God has a different vision for your life. Maybe you don't see it yourself as someone remarkable. Maybe you doubt you'll ever do anything significant. Today, God wants you to see yourself with a new set of eyes. Identity always precedes behavior. We always act in accordance with the way we see ourselves. We live up to our own view of ourselves. God wants to give you a new view of you. God brought you into existence on purpose for a purpose. God sees the potential in you. God believes in you. Most of the time, we talk about how we need to believe in God, and that's very true, but God believes in you. God says, I know you, I made you, I see your potential. I see heroic friends, I see heroic students, I see heroic parents, teachers, coaches in our schools. I see a heroic leader, a community leader. For some of us, what we need today is to have the courage to see ourselves the way God sees us. Others of us are on the verge of the second experience. Maybe you don't want a fireball burning up your ribeye steak. That would be a little scary. But you're ready to meet God personally. Maybe you've been attending church for a while, but you've never really had a personal encounter where you experience God's power. God says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. It's time to stop doing life on your own power. Speak to him and say, God, I know you see more in me than I see myself. Give me your power. Give me your peace. Some of us are in that third experience, the test. It may be a test at work. It may be a test at home. It may be a test at school. What will you do? What's going to have first place in your life? Status, career, money, things, security. Who is going to have first place in your life? And some of us are ready for that fourth experience. You recognize that the odds might not be in your favor, but you know what matters is not the obstacles that lie before you, but a powerful God who lives within you. 
For some of us, what we need today is the reminder that if we courageously let God work through us, He will do amazing things. We might look at ourselves as underdogs, but God sees the potential. If we meet God in our experience and courageously allow Him to work through us, we'll see His power do amazing things. We'll become the mighty warriors He's called us to be. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the vision that you have in our lives, that you created each of us on purpose for a purpose. Give us the courage to live out the lives that you have created for us. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. He walked this earth, showed us how to find our way back to you, extends forgiveness, extends grace, and extends the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be who you created us to be. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call You Plus. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.